Hello and welcome to the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I am your host, Dexter Kearley, and uh, I'm super excited about the guest that I had on today. Uh, I think it was, we connected via social media um, right as I was first putting out my first episodes, my first uh, podcast. And I can't exactly remember, we... I think he maybe listened to one of my first ones that I put out and he reached out and was like, hey, it's awesome that you're starting one because I'm wanting to start one. We just got to chit-chatting about uh, podcasts and whatnot and I was like, man, you'd be a perfect guest. Um, and that's before I knew that he's also an amazing drummer. His, I haven't even told you his name yet, but his, jo- his name is John Rubin Medina. Um, he is, uh, I think it was lead barista at Palace Coffee. Um, he's also a drummer in many bands, um, but most currently, um, Mount Ivy, who I've, I've played a couple of their songs on before. Um, they're a cool group of dudes. We talk a little bit about the music, I think, in this podcast, but, uh, at the end of this intro, I'm going to play one of their songs, so you'll get to hear, uh, Mount Ivy. But, um, anyway, it was a super, super good, um, time talking to him. He, is a philosopher as well so he's like coffee drums and philosophy and so we kind of we kind of talked a little bit about all those things and kind of jumped around it was a good time um so anyway that's my guest for today but uh, i'm gonna do a couple of quick announcements and then um shout out to the show sponsor and then we'll get into this episode so first off the first thing i really want to pitch is the panhandle podcast meetup um this is Kind of something that I'm trying to start, uh, kind of think of it as like a networking opportunity for podcasts, but that's doesn't really, I don't know if that make if that's the right way of saying it, but essentially the, the goal is to be a place where like uh, fans of podcasts can come and talk about episodes they liked or shows they like, meet other people in this area that, um, that, enjoy the same podcast shows uh so just kind of tying up a community kind of meeting people around um you know around podcasts whether it's you know there's a lot of people i've heard that say they want to start a podcast well hopefully there's enough people at this meetup to where maybe if you have some questions that have been keeping you kind of giving you an excuse to not make a podcast maybe this would be a good place for like the excuses to have answers uh, and no longer become excuses or whatever so um, this is going to be uh, august 28th at in canyon texas at recreation um at seven o'clock and another shout out recreation they're doing the rodeo clown burger and a dollar from every sale is going to coben puckett um his uh, press on foundation. So, um, we're going to have the podcast meet out, out there. I've been wanting to have an event in Canyon for a while. Oh, excuse me for a while. Um, just haven't, haven't made it out that direction. And then with these guys throwing some money towards Coben, I was like, man, that'd be a cool place. I've, I've been wanting to get in there anyway. So we're going to do that. August 28th, Canyon, Texas recreation. We're going to eat the rodeo clown burger. Um, The next thing I was going to pitch is the Critical Mass Bike Ride, the last Friday of every month. I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's the first Friday. Look into it. Um, If it's the last Friday, it's August 31st. So if it's the first Friday, I don't know what day that would be. But anyway, 
I'm going to have a guest on from that later this week. So be looking out for that episode. And then um, also I want to pitch Yellow City Sound. So this is, uh, I think PBS is putting it on or maybe Emerald College. It's uh, right at Emerald College, but it's a music festival that they put on. And there's a lot of local bands playing in it, but Mount Ivy will be playing in it, who's today's guest. He's the drummer in Mount Ivy. So he'll be playing um, at it. So it's that September 1st, Yellow City Sound. Just be on the lookout for that. Maybe hop on their Facebook page, get like dialed in on the community, you know, kind of experience it. So, um, and that's it for my announcements. So today I'd like to thank our show sponsor. So this is the uh, first episode that they've sponsored, but it's Happy Hour. Um, here in Texas, or here in here in Amarillo, Texas, um, they're opening their doors um, August 30th of this year, uh, and their location is 3801 Olson Boulevard here in Amarillo, Texas. So pretty close to where I to where I stay at. But um, anyway, they're um, super cool company. They're coming to Amarillo. They're going to start offering uh, like the website. Let me plug that happyhourtexas.com you can actually place your orders for beverages and they will deliver them to you so you can order um you know i think they're really trying to target the business crowd uh you know four o'clock five o'clock as an office you order some drinks to your place gives you an opportunity to like unwind a little bit with your coworkers. Maybe get those conversations that need to happen, but the air is maybe too tense. Maybe get it to loosen up a little bit. You know, like I always, I always imagine in office buildings that people are arguing over like the thermostat. Like I feel like there's always two people who like square off on the thermostat. It's like, is it too hot? Is it too cold? Everybody in the office, they just want them to sit down and ha- talk it out, man. Come to an understanding about the thermostat. Over drinks is a great way of doing that. So, um, you can start a weekly tradition, you know, you can use this as a way of taking the edge off in the office and kind of allowing people to get to know each other a little bit better. Um, I definitely feel like work environments, the less tense they are, the more productive it is, at least for me, you know? So, um, yeah, happy hour uh, com is their website. Uh, at Happy Hour Texas is their Instagram handle, and like so, that's a really good way to keep up with them. They're it seems like they're posting pretty often. They're posting um, when they're going to open everything on that. So uh, that's a that's a good thing to if you're interested in this, hopping over to their Instagram, giving them a follow, keeping up with them that way. Uh, keep a lookout for August thirtieth, and um, you know try to. Uh, just reach out, check them out. I think it's going to be a really cool thing for Amarillo. I'm looking forward to it because there's been several times where, you know, I, I'm with a group of people, we want to drink, but it's sometimes it's a little bit more of a commitment to bring your own individual beverages. So like if I'm bringing a six pack of beer, um, sometimes I just want one beer, but in order to bring one beer, I might as well bring, you know, six beers. So this is a great way of, Hey, look, I'm here. I want to have a drink. Um, getting a delicious beverage delivered straight to you. So, uh, like I said, I want to thank that sponsor, Happy Hour. Go and give them a follow on Instagram. Check them out on Facebook. Um, you know, all where you find all social medias, they're uh, present there. So anyway, and I, 
You know, I should have messaged uh, Mason. He's going to give me, eventually he's going to give me a promo code so that you can get like a discount or something um, for the podcast. But hadn't gotten it yet. Uh, as of now, just give him a shout out, you know, start paying attention. Follow him on their Instagram. And 830th of this month, 830th, August 30th of this month, they will be open. So give them a follow, check them out. Um and I, I really appreciate them all, uh, sponsoring the show. And now, um, so I I have here to caution everybody um, for this episode that I just recorded because um, sometimes I I get there's topics where I get to be too much myself, um, and like I'm excited about the topic. And this is one of those days where I was I'm really excited about what we had a conversation about and. I have a lot of my own thoughts on it, and sometimes I fear that I get overexcited and then I um, like Dexter the situation up. So, uh, you know, sometimes what makes a host good also makes a host bad, you know? And so, like, before I even recorded this uh, episode with uh, John, I. I wrote this like note to myself, like, Hey, warn them because I know how I get, you know, a little bit of self-awareness, but, uh, anywho. So, um, that's it. Um, now I'm going to play you into the episode with, uh, a song from Mount Ivy, a 2000 release or 2015 release of their single space camp. So, um, I also play at the end of this episode, uh, their lead singer has a side project called Vamping and uh, play a song from him. So these are both of the songs that you're going to hear in today's podcast are local uh, Amarillo bands, Amarillo dudes, just uh, turning it turning it out, you know, doing, doing some good stuff. So uh, anyway, enjoy this episode. Give me a follow on Instagram, Panhandle Primate. Um, you check out my website. Uh, if you will go into the iTunes app and leave me a review uh, and maybe some like uh, some stars or whatever, you know, you can be honest there. It's not you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily saying go and give me a five star rating. You know, you can give me whatever you want, but it, it's just cool if you click any stars at all. Um, so even if you give me just one star, at least you went through the effort of going and giving me a star. So I'm not going to complain about one star. Um Anyway, so I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for uh, tuning in, and uh, hopefully you enjoy this uh, this episode. Uh, until next time.
All right, let's see here. All right, man, you wanna you wanna hop in? You wanna jump in? Yeah, let's do you it. Ready to go? Let's go in. Let's go All right, in. we'll say that the intro music just ended. Okay. Hello, this is the Pan Am Primate Podcast. I'm your host Dexter Kearley. I'm here with John. How do, what what do most people call you? So, like, what is your most used me, nomenclature? Me, I prefer John Rubin. Mm-hmm. That's my full name. It's one name. Hyphenated. John Rubin hyphenated. Um, some people call me just John because it's just like easier. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my musician friends call me John. Uh, my work friends, like at where I work, uh, Palace, they know me as John Rubin. Mm. A few people still refer to me as JR because I went by that for a while. Who was that that was telling me JR? Somebody was calling you JR. I'm trying to think. And I'm trying to think of who it was, but they knew you from, I don't know, I guess a long time ago. They probably knew me from church or something, like old, old church. Band, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, John Rubin? So, John Rubin is what I prefer, but you can get away with John. Well, see, this is one of the, (laughs) the funny things about like new the new culture is like the first time I saw you was on Instagram. Right. And I, I was trying to remember that engagement. If, if I stumbled onto you and I'm pretty sure I did, cause I'm pretty sure I watched your drumming videos. Okay. Is anyway, nice? but we, it seemed like we had some like interaction pretty early on, but it was interesting cause I only knew you by your Instagram handle. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just kind of interesting. Like I see all these people even around town. Sometimes I'll see somebody and their Instagram handle pops into my head. I'm like, that's not their name, yeah, dude. You know, their, like that's just their like presence. <laughs> that's not their, it's weird, you yeah. know? Um, damn, where was I going with that? Um, huh. I don't know. So John Rubin. John Rubin. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so you, you just mentioned you work at Palace Coffee, right? And mm-hmm. they're your lead barista? The lead barista at the downtown Amarillo location. And one of the questions I was going to ask you, uh, did, how active was your role in their championships? Uh, Are they- pretty active. Um, we, so we just hosted preliminary rounds a couple weeks ago for the coffee, uh, the national coffee championships. Um, so we hosted two of the competitions. Uh, one is the barista competition. The other is the Brewers Cup. Uh, we hosted the Brewers Cup competitions at the downtown location. Mm. Uh, and so I basically, for that whole weekend, it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I lived downtown. I was just there helping set up, uh, helping competing. volunteering a little bit. And then I competed as well. Wow. So um, I ended up placing fourth, which means I qualify for the next regional rounds, which will be in Denver in December, uh, which I was not expecting that. I was just doing it for like the experience. Just so now like what, fun. and now is this pouring? Like so this what? is pouring. So this is, is like pouring. doing like a manual pour over coffee style. Uh-huh. It's where you actually hold your kettle with the hot water and then you pour your, pour it over ground coffee in a oh. kind of manual brewer, which I, I picked something called the V60, which is just like a conical coffee brewer. Now why yeah. did you pick that one over like a... Like, like, it, yeah. so is that like a nerd world that you That's can like, nerd, you like I dive can, I can in? get into it yeah. if you want me to, but yeah, I went with that one because it's like easy to use and that's what I use at home for the most part. So I'm more comfortable with it. Yeah. And I knew I could make the coffee taste good. Yeah. Like the deeper, that it's like the deeper magic of coffee. Yeah. Like, you, cause you know, I mean, I don't ever think, uh, I'm just a black coffee 
guy. You know, just, hey, hit me with the squirt, the little squirt <laughs> container, and we're good to go. Right, yeah. But everybody that drinks those higher level drinks, the drinks that are poured and everything, they all say Palace has the best, you know, coffee, you know. And which is, it's like surprising whenever being based in Amarillo that, which I think maybe has this, uh, like uh, characteristic of being like podunk or being backwoods mm-hmm. or being this and that, but really, as far as coffee goes, we're like right there. This is kind of a mecca for coffee. I mean, people. The great thing is we're right on I forty, so people are constantly traveling through. Mm. I get so many people in that downtown location who are they're driving you know Route sixty six and they're from like Europe or Australia. Or it's people, you know, from New York going to L.A. Or just all these people just coming through. And they're like, you know, we just pulled up Yelp or Google. And it's like, here's this here's this coffee place. So they come in. Um, but yeah, like you wouldn't expect it in the panhandle of Texas. And yeah. We're really fortunate having Palace and uh, Evocation. Um, yeah. It's just like, man, it's really well, amazing. <laughs> and like the originals starting with roasters. Yeah. You know, like we, to roasters we've had like coffee being roasted in Amarillo for a very long time yeah. which is kind of cool to have that like back background heritage you know yeah um, and even um I only know this as a little factoid I don't know the whole history but I know that um I want to say Golden Light like the original Golden Light restaurant like decades ago used to roast coffee no way yeah I don't and I haven't really gone into the history of that or searched yeah. it out but I know like they used to be a coffee roaster or something like that like decades and decades ago but yeah that's crazy so i mean we i guess we have more of a history of locally roasted coffee yeah that's interesting man just you know roasters yeah i always get anytime or typically it's like do y'all still ride horses we get that question about amarello or saying that we're from texas you know but they're like everyone wears a cowboy hat right yeah yeah and it's like <laughs> ah no i don't think i mean there's a lot of cowboy hats sure and there's a lot of functioning cowboy hats you know there's a lot of guys who are like genuinely yeah, cowboys they, you know? They it, you know? <laughs> yeah they're like living the cat they you know they're out there on the ranch <laughs> yep yep they're doing it so that's cool how long you been in the coffee game so uh a total of about four years uh i first started working at palace um fall of 2013 and then i was there for essentially like two years uh and then i left to work at uh, a bank for like a few weeks because i tried to i felt like i needed to get like a real job Mm. a grown-up job but i hated it so that didn't last so then I, i went back to palace for a little while and then I just at that point in my life, I felt like I was getting a little stagnant. Mm. So I wanted to try and find something else. Um, then I, I, I left Palace and then I ended up working up working at Evocation for like six months. Oh. So I just got right back into coffee. Yeah. Um, and then in, the, in order not to feel stagnant again, like I changed jobs again. Uh, and I worked at the the High Plains Food Bank for a little bit. Oh, really? For a couple months, but again, it was just like wasn't for me. So mm. I ended up going back to Palace last year. So I've been back at Palace for the second time for like a year and a half now. Oh, so dang. altogether, I've had I have about four years of coffee experience. Wow. Yeah. So now, how did you how did you start? Did you just was it just getting a job, or it was just yeah? Um, or you been into coffee like? I had slow, so Palace opened in 2011, 
and I guess around that time, uh, I maybe started drinking Starbucks and feeling like I was special. Mm. You know, like that first time you start drinking Starbucks. The starter pack, dude. Yeah, it's a starter pack. And it's like, you feel like, oh, Starbucks, it's fancy, special coffee. So you just kind of feel like you... You're getting into it. Yeah, I'm getting the culture. Yeah, like I started trying to drink coffee black. Because at that point, it was like, give me all the cream and sugar. Oh, yeah. But I started trying to drink black coffee and see what that was about, see if I liked it. So when Palace came along, it was like this new, different way of preparing coffee. Mm. So I, I just started trying to drink that, getting into it. They were doing the, um, the pour-overs and manual brewing. And I was trying all those and people who worked there at the time. And the, this was just when the Canyon shop was open. I would talk to them. They would tell me about coffee. And now, did you would... go to WT? Yeah, I did. Um, there from... I was... That was another <laughs> another uh, instance where I would go for a while and then stop and then go back for a while mm, and then stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I ended up graduating in 2013, fall of 2013. Oh, nice. It took me a while, though, because I yeah. went to AC first and I did yeah. that in like two years got the associates and then uh then i was like on and off at wt for like four or five years because <laughs> again i couldn't figure out what i wanted yeah yeah um, you gotta it's i feel like my wife did a similar thing she went to school for a little bit and then she took a break and then when she like finally decided what it like truly was she wanted to do she loved it she was acing her classes she was having good re- reactions with our uh, interactions with her professors because mm-hmm. she's no longer the kid taking classes. She's the adult yeah, taking classes. Exactly. Yeah. And so she's getting more, almost more bang for her buck. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I, I kind of, it's interesting. I, I think sometimes we like to imagine it's a failure if you don't cram it in as fast as possible. Yeah, that's almost like an American mindset. Yeah, It is, yeah. Instead of just like, hey, take your time, figure out what you want to do. Instead of spending a whole bunch of money and then having to figure out what you want to do, like exactly. just be conservative. And that's kind of weird too that we like we expect you know kids like eighteen year olds, maybe nineteen year olds, to like know what they want to do, you know, go to college, spend all this money every semester, and like you know just know and like go to these classes and get this degree program. And most people like really don't figure out their lives. No one ever really does, yeah. but like have more of a handle, I feel, until you're like at least in your mid twenties to late twenties. Oh yeah. And but we're expecting kids to go to college and like mm-hmm. figure it out. You know, you've got like four, six years to do this. Now how old are you now? So I'm thirty. I just turned 30. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's right, thirty. Um so I'm about to turn thirty cool. and I've been having these thoughts that like there's no chance I could have had the same thought at twenty. You know, like it's it's just such a different brain even than my 20-year-old self. So to expect the brain of a 20-year-old to make the decisions that now being almost 30, I don't even like I'm almost getting more nervous making those decisions because <laughs> yeah. it's like, man, there's a lot of stuff you don't know, you know, that know. could sneak up and you see it all the time in the news, people getting losing their entire retirement or, you know, like they made a decision a long time ago, trusted somebody and could fall through, you yeah. Know? Bit them in the butt. Bit them in the butt. Yeah, um, that's the quote. Of the, the that's podcast. the. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got I've got three things that like. <clears throat> whenever I was trying to sit that thinking about sitting down with you, that I was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna break this dude into three. 
things that I that I think about him, you yeah. know, or that I kind of conceive. So you got your coffee mm-hmm. because a man's craft. You, I mean, that's that's what's interesting. It's more of a craft, like uh, being a good bartender, being a good anything, being able to interact with people to get you you hone the craft over years and then you know like any waitress they're way better four years in than they are a year in because they honed the craft you yeah know? exactly so i'd like your coffee right there and then uh, of course drums which you're the drummer for mount ivy mm-hmm. i've played mount ivy a couple of times on the podcast yeah, and um that. uh y'all got an interesting sound and it seems are y'all all about the same age in the band uh Kind of. I think I'm, I'm the... No, that's not true. So me and the keyboard player, Starchild, we're the, I think we're the same age. Like He might be 29. Um, but we're about the same age. And then everyone else is a little bit younger than us. I think Topher, our bass player, he's the youngest. He's like 23 or 24. Is he really? Yeah. Huh. So we kind of range from like 23 to 30. Okay, so yeah. We're all pretty similar though. Yeah, I, I really feel like... At 23, like that's probably the age that I paused at. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like I, I feel like I'm still my 23 year old self, you yeah. know, uh, in a lot of ways. But that's pretty cool. So I have, I have that, and then I have philosopher, right? Oh, thank you. So that's like, really fan- big, um, that's maybe too fancy a word, but I'll, it's I'll it's take a it. it's a fancy <laughs> word. But I feel like the common man needs to reclaim the word philosophy, yeah. the word philosopher, even because. I think sometimes it gets, uh, people don't think it's practical, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's very practical. So, and especially in understanding how you view the world and, and the forces that were acting on you in development. So one of the the things I was going to ask you about is, so you started a blog. Yeah, I started a blog. Yeah, (laughs) dude, that's one of the things I was going to ask you about because I've, I, and I don't know if this is like. A generational thing because I I suffer from probably the same way you do. I bet we have a lot of the, we could uh, really resonate on. So like starting a blog, being super motivated about a blog, having a ton of ideas, and then it's like, I think the way my blog works is I get like three weeks, boom, 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 and then yeah, crickets, <laughs> you know, for a while. Um, so that, that that was one thing I was going to ask you is like. Why did you start the blog? It would be the first question. It would be like the simplest way to like some you know start. Yeah. So like, why did you start your? Why blog? did I start my blog? Um, because for. I'm trying to think how how to start this. Basically, I grew up as a Christian, just super into God and Jesus. Which and, denomination? Um, I so I grew up like non-denominational. Oh, okay. I I went to the. Um, non-denominational, like evangelical Christian churches, just very standard, like, you know, the statement of faith is like, we believe in the Trinity and, you know, the Bible is the inspired, infallible word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, communion, you know, just like very kind of basic, but no, um, every church was like independent, you know. Right, right, right. Um, so that's how I grew up. Until about uh, 20, when I was 28-ish, no, it would have been longer than that, 2016, that was two years ago? Yeah, so when I was like 27 or 28, I began to like really question my faith and question God and question the things that I thought I believed, and so I ultimately ended up 
leaving faith and deconstructing my faith and going through this whole process of figuring out what I believed and what I thought. So anyway, so for the past several years, as I'm going through all that process, I feel like I need to write about this and talk about it and um, say that it's okay to have these because in this area, it seems like you need to be a Christian. You need to have a faith or else you're kind of, you're untrustworthy or people want to get you saved. But I want, I, I wanted to say like, no, this is okay. This is part of life. Like, mm. however old you are, whatever stage of life you're in, it's okay to ask these questions and go through this process. And maybe um, you go through a, a period of, you know, faith deconstruction where you're trying to figure out what you believe or don't. And maybe you come out on the other end still believing, but in a different way. Or maybe you're like me and you come out not believing anymore. So I wanted to start a blog that talked about all that, talked about my experience, but also said, like, it's okay to have these conversations. Um, that's what started it. Uh, that was essentially my first blog post is, like, saying, kind of publicly stating, like, yes, I've lost my faith, um, which most people who knew me already knew that at that point. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have it online. I didn't have, like, a place where you could go see it publicly. Um, I felt like I needed to do that. Um, so that's why I started it. I think I made two posts in two months. Uh, that was in January and February, and then I haven't updated it since. Yeah, that's that's kind of, it's funny, man. I've even been looking back at my blog. At, I started it a while back. Like I got this little burst of, which it's actually kind of interesting because I've become a lot better of a writer. So mm-hmm. it's fun to go back and read those old blog posts and be like, damn, I've come a long way, <laughs> yeah. you know? It's like, yeah. So like, much better now. It was like, man, I, I thought I was, I thought I was doing something good there, but now I can look back and be like, e, I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's kind of interesting. But even like looking back, it's blocks. Like I'll have like boom where I'll put out three and then nothing, and then boom where I put out two and then nothing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like these. Um, and so I kind of wonder if maybe that has to do with the medium itself. And like the ease of access, maybe the self pace of it, you know, like maybe if I had uh, an external, you know, like giving me prompts or something, I think Mm -hmm. I would be a lot more regular with it. But so um, I don't know, I guess I was wanting to talk about blogs a little bit because I don't really read that many blogs. Like I work, I kind of try to write a blog, but I don't read any blogs, you know, so maybe that do you read a lot of blogs? I don't read a whole lot of blogs. I think occasionally like I'll find a blog post maybe mm-hmm. or one of my friends will write something and I'll read that but I don't really have like any that I follow uh, like religiously mm-hmm. like oh let me see what this person says um, so yeah maybe that's it too it's like we're not getting enough um, inspiration maybe or yeah. like something to kind of go for I think too at least in for me I'm I'm more of the person that like waits for inspiration to hit, mm. like the muse to strike, and it's like, oh, this idea, let me get it out real fast. Right. Which I think in something like blogging, which is really, it's just writing. Mm-hmm. It's really a practice you need to do every day, which I have tried on mm. and off, uh, not so successfully in the past, like just trying to write every day. Yeah. I'll go through periods where I, I do that for maybe like a couple weeks or a month where I'm able to write a little something every day. Um, but then again, it kind of like falls away. So I think with blogging, it's, it's really something you need to do 
like weekly, like have a right. schedule. Like I'm yeah. going to post a certain amount of words, you know, every week or something. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a lot of our generation thinks that it's just about creativity striking in the moment. And then like you hammer out this. this yeah, that grind. Like, yeah. Mid, like I think that that's what's so funny is uh, even the best authors that that we, well, that I like to like read or whatever. If you really think about it, you only read a couple of their works. And if you imagine that they were working a lot, mm-hmm. that means that most of their stuff is just disappeared. Nobody yeah. reads it. Nobody cares about it, whatever. It's only like a few things that everybody, it's curated through time, you know, makes it through time. So if you think even the great writers who were on their grind hard <laughs> yeah. and were, you know, honing their skill and then the muse struck. And it was like a one in a million chance, like almost like LeBron James has to be LeBron James so that he can hit the game-winning three-point, you know? Yeah. Like it's kind of like um, it's kind of a weird deal. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense, but or if that translates into our generation in any way. But so um, yeah, it's hard to be consistent and clear. I feel like in in the blog formation because at the same time, sometimes I get to ask myself like, who cares? You know, that's what I'm the saying? biggest thing for me. It's 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 a self doubt thing. It's like, you know, there's plenty of other people like me doing this that are writing or they're podcasting. So like, what do I have to contribute? Mm-hmm. You know, who wants to hear what I have to say? Like, maybe I'll I might even end up making it worse because I won't be clear enough, Ooh. and I'll just muddy up the water, uh, which I think is is BS. I think that's something like. That you shouldn't think about. Um, oh, I'm gonna pause real quick because okay. I'm about to go turn off that AC. Oh no, dreaded AC. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we are back. Um, the AC's still going, but we're just gonna roll with it. It'll turn off in a second. So there went and, and it turned off. <laughs> and also, can you hear my kid? Have y'all? Uh, no. I don't know if. So Emmett's been raging pretty hard and uh, just in the house. It's kind of fun. Like I think. Eventually, the goal is to have like my own separate studio, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of fun having to work around the family, you know. Like it yeah, almost it, it almost makes it like more like I'm gonna look back or listen back on this recording, and I'm gonna remember my two year old son like raging <laughs> till the end, you know. Like he's like been in crash mode for a <laughs> yeah. while, you know. Like yeah. he starts operating differently, you know. Like he's not as nimble. Um, all right. Sorry about that. I try not to pause the the episode because uh, sometimes it throws off the throws off the groove, you know. Yeah. Like at least mine. But um, no, anyway, man. So I wanted to talk to you about this deconstruction that you've been going through. Um, what would you say was the trigger? Can you can you can you pinpoint it, or can you uh, or like a general a generalized. Like what? What was the what was the uh, spark that lights the fuse? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was. Um, it would have been in 2014. 2014, uh, I was going to a church that I loved. I still love. I still love the people, the pastor there. I still have friends from there. Um, and I was leading a small group, uh, like a men's small group. And I think 
I just stopped feeling anything, maybe. I would pray uh, I'd pray to God and I'd hear the, the prayers or the prayer requests like my guys in my group would would bring every week. And it started to seem like I don't know, no one was listening. Mm-hmm. It's like I noticed <clears throat> instead of praying about things you could just like do something, you could change something in yourself. Or change something you were doing and like you'd fix the problem you were praying about. Um, You could, in a sense, just like live differently and that would fix the issue rather than like praying about it and expecting something to change. Mm. Um, It's a whole like thoughts and prayers thing. Like why say thoughts and prayers when you can just do something to like change what you're seeing, you know, and get a different outcome. And that started to make more sense to me. And I started to feel like, man, we're all, all these guys, like I love all these guys that I have this small group with. Um, but it's like they keep bringing the same, we all keep bringing the same prayer requests. We all keep, we all feel like we don't read the Bible enough or we don't pray enough. It's always that. Um, but I don't know, what if we just started like, doing things differently? What if if we just started changing the way we live a little bit? Um, The more I learned about just science and evolution and the universe and just how things work, the more it made sense, like, we don't, don't really need a creator necessarily. Like, it made sense that, you know, everything evolved and somehow the universe got into motion, but it doesn't, didn't necessarily need like a God to put things into motion. Um, it all kind of seems self-sustaining. Like that's science in the sense started making more sense to me. Mm. Um, the Bible was so good for like ethical issues and moral issues and loving your neighbor as yourself. I still believe that. And that's so great. And also a lot of other religions have that as their core tenet too, you know, so it's not it's like Christianity has the market on loving your neighbor or being good to people. Right. Um, so you were wanting to start having, you wanted to have a different conversation. Like you wanted yeah. to have, uh, because I think that is interesting, you know, uh, I it's funny because to a lot of atheists, I'm a Christian. And to a lot of Christian, <laughs> like Christians, I'm an atheist. Yeah. Like, and I can mm-hmm. be saying the same thing. To both people. And they're hearing And totally one is saying, things. dude, you're yeah. a Bible thumper. And the other one's saying, dude, you don't believe anything. Like you you are yeah. a nihilist, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it, it's like almost <laughs> like that extreme. And I'll be saying the same like point, yeah. you know? But it is interesting because sometimes, like I like talking about religion. And sometimes you have to revert into religious language. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand the language and that's that's really where that's really where I like plead the fifth a lot of times is because then you you start hearing these experts in biblical languages and these scholars and it's like dude what I'm reading on the page is not what it said mm-hmm. like not not to say that there was any uh, malintent in in the translation or anything like that but it's just a different language yeah. it's a different context different social context you know so it's almost like I don't even have the ears to hear. Or the eyes to see, because 
I'm not even looking at, like, it'd be like being mad that you're not seeing a flower whenever all you're allowed to look at is like a cartoon flower. Right. Yeah. You know, it's Uh like, of course I don't see a flower. All I see is a picture, you know, it's kind of a weird deal, but it, it is kind of interesting because when you say that it makes me kind of relate, I'm on the same page because it, it comes down to the vernacular that you're allowed to use. And like you were saying, let's stop praying about it. Let's actually fix it. And I think it's interesting because you talk to different people in different religions about what they mean when they say prayer. And a lot of times it's just talking through a circumstance, you know, like, like kind of, and it's a good posture to put yourself in. Hey, there's probably things that I don't understand that are happening here. Um, I'm going to forgive anybody who's mad against me and hopefully they'll forgive me my wrongings, you know, like mm-hmm. it's kind of like a recentering of yourself, you know, it's kind of interesting um, in that way as a therapeutic mechanism. Yeah, it's totally you know? like praying is still, it's like meditation, you know, which has been scientifically proven to be mm-hmm. good for you. I wish I meditated. I know I should. Like, I think everyone should. Oh, yeah. I don't because I, I get too busy or I, I don't give myself time to, but... It's been proven to show, uh, been proven to be good for you, and that's that's all prayer is really. It's med- meditation, um, but I think a lot of Christians don't see it that way. Because if you say that, then it's, that sounds too new agey, right? Or it's like it's not, you know, we're taught prayer actually moves mountains, or it, it it's our way of speaking to God and um, asking for things to happen, and we don't. A lot of Christians don't view it as like. It's just a way of talking through things. It's a way of, like like you said, centering yourself, and that helps you. Um, but a lot of Christians don't see it that way. They see it as a thing that's supposed to do something. Right, right. Like so they're supposed to see a physical result. In your, when you were deconstructing your faith, were you, okay, let's say, I like to use the word demolish, you know, like when you're <laughs> demolishing something, yeah. right? Um. What what was it that you were demolishing? Was it your personal belief? Was it the institutional belief? Or was it that there is no such thing as spirituality? You know, like, mm. so which would demolish all religions. You know what I'm saying? So you got like the religion, then you got the smaller, and then you got the smaller, you know? Yeah. Like, what was it that you were, what you were aiming at? Uh, it was more than like, I think it was kind of my personal belief. And in a sense, it was like, because I felt like I dealt with like the institution, because I realized I could see institutional belief for what it was, which, I mean, I, I feel like that, that's a whole other subject, really. But um, it, for me, I think it was, I was demolishing my personal belief, like what I really felt in my heart and by my soul, and then also like the, the bigger the grander like wait is there anything is there any kind of spiritual thing um is there a soul so i was kind of doing like the smallest most personal intimate one and the big one Mm. of like is there anything like do i really think there's anything like Um, where'd you settle where'd you settle on that (laughs) or or i mean Um, and and this is another ridiculous thing whenever we're talking about anything spiritual even like you could be talking to the most devout Christian. It's it's a flow. It's not necessarily a point, you know. Mm-hmm. So sometimes to define yourself by a point 
is to neglect that it's actually a, a something that's in motion and allowed to be in motion and yeah. and by nature is in motion. Yeah, you know? it's still like a spectrum or a journey. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, in one sense, I don't have all the answers, so I'm like open to whatever. Um, I don't know for sure that there isn't some kind of spiritual realm or like a god or heaven and hell. Um, I don't think there's a heaven or hell. But I th- I'm pretty sure that if there is some kind of spiritual side to things, it's not what I grew up being taught it was. Like mm. there's God and he has this son named Jesus and there's a Holy Spirit and there's heaven, which is where you go if you accept Jesus or there's a hell for people who don't. And then this is how the system works. This is how you have to, what you have to say and believe in order to get to this place. I don't believe that's the spiritual realm at all. You know what I think is interesting is that, um, like if you go to talk to like a biblical scholar, like basic, and this is how I imagine it is like, imagine like theology is like a, like a scale. Like you're, you start in kindergarten, you go to fifth grade, you go to middle school, you know, like you kind of progress up these schools. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the child, the way that you explain it to a child, because you can't explain to a child like certain things, you know, you have to use like, you know, you have to use stories and you have to like show them like, this is what this is like. You know, when you feel like this, that's how this person feels. Like you're Mm -hmm. teaching them how to interact with the world and, and humans, like it's so useful to have a narrative. Totally. Like we build stories, right? We have to have a narrative. But see, like once you like get to, do you know? Uh, have you ever heard of the Naked Bible podcast? I think I've heard of it. His name's Michael. I think his name is Michael Heiser. Um, but you know, like a real Bible nerd, like deep Bible nerd. Yeah. You start talking to those guys for very long, and you're like, okay, I, I believe it all. I believe it all because <laughs> they they can take one small sentence and show you how it's been, how it's attached to way in the past and way in the. In the future relative to the literature, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible how these themes weave their way through, you know? Um, and so they can point out some, like, super interesting, crazy level stuff, but then you ask them what they believe, and it's not a simple answer. Mm-hmm. And, and their explanation isn't necessarily simple, and it's hard to dive that deep, like, when it comes to really what you believe like your what's it called the uh, epistemology you know like what yeah. is it that you believe how do you believe it and and why did the person that taught it to you believe that they believed it you know it's pretty crazy it gets deep you know yeah it's even like what is belief you know what i mean it's what is like i in this in some sense i don't i know that i believe that people should be good and kind and love one another. And that's kind of like, that's where I've landed. It's like, belief is something that, some sort of conviction you have, even though you may not have proof that it's the best thing or the right thing or the true thing. It seems to make the most sense. And it's like, you know, that's what I believe now. I don't know about Mm. anything I can't see or like, sort of physically, tangibly interact with? Well, you know how you said it was a spectrum? Because this is what I was going to ask you is like, like science, there's certain things that science doesn't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. Like placebo, which means 
<laughs> if somebody believes that they're doing something to get better, then they get better. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, oh wait, okay. Yeah. So now the way that that, so that's the other thing is there's a spectrum of belief to say that I believe that I can make a three point shot the same as LeBron James is ludicrous. He has more of a reason to believe in what he believes, mm-hmm. even though it's uh, something that it's an action, it's a choice, it's throwing a ball at a hoop. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's it's kind of one of those things. Like I I question if when when the church is explaining belief, if they're if they're focusing on the right stuff, because you know, like all this the research into like flow states pro- with being a drummer. Pro- you, do you ever consider yourself so. in like a flow state oh, sure, where yeah. you can't, you cannot fuck up? Like you can't miss a note. <laughs> yeah. You know what like, I'm saying? You're just yeah. like, it, and, then, and then you start like thinking, it's like, what if I intentionally try to miss a note? <laughs> and then you do it and there, you know, everybody's like, oh, that fucking works, you know, yeah. like, cause you can't miss, you mm-hmm. can't, you know. And so like, there's, there's like, that's what I wonder if we misheard the word faith. You know, because when Jesus is, is approaching all these different people, he's ba- he's saying, what you're doing is healing you. Like, so you believe that you're taking the pill. You believe that you touched me and you heal yourself. And so like that, that's what's always, that's what's always interesting to me is like almost uh, we, we try to paint everything so righteously that it's like, you know, a, a con man the reason that the con man is such a prolific archetype in our society is because he's a badass. <laughs> he can roll in. Yeah. He can control everybody. Yeah. He knows how to work people. He can make people feel good. He can make people feel bad. He can take, you know, he's a manipulator in that situation. Well, if you have somebody that comes in and manipulates you and says, if you believe this, your cancer will go away. And he manipulates you into actually believing it and your cancer goes away. It's the fact that you believed it, you know, mm-hmm. like, so there, so that's, what's always like kind of funny to me is like science can't necessarily disprove miracles because the body does miraculous things as it's like base, uh, protocol, right? right? Do I snap my bone? It builds a new bone. That's its base protocol. I'm not telling it to do that yeah. shit. You know, it's, <laughs> it's base protocol is to heal. To, yeah, so if, if we can get out of our own way. You know, the body will heal itself kind of a thing, you know, like that's what I always wonder with uh, with faith, you know, if we're, you know, like I have faith that people are going to listen to this thing. That's the reason we're doing it. Even though right now nobody is like literally nobody is listening. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, it's yeah. kind of a crazy thing. So it starts to make you do these things. And like you were saying earlier, it's about we want to progress as human beings. We want to progress as people. We want to become something better. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm meeting in a group of people. And we're all meeting up and we want, we're saying, we want to get better. Let's like craft, let's engineer the circumstances to where we get better. Let's not just sit around and pray for things to change. Let's say, Hey, what are you good at? Where are you good at? Let's fix this. Let's exactly. Let's not be depressed. Let's not be sexually repressed. Let's not like all these things that come up in men's groups, you know, like people want to pretend like men don't need to talk about certain things or don't have problems with certain things whenever really like the society, the way we were brought up, you know, I mean it, you see like, okay, I'm supposed to only treat women with honor and courtesy and kindness. But at the same time, you're going to flash this, like the sexiest woman that's ever existed on the planet, you know, not sexy enough 
to not even like, or they even like Photoshop her to be more sexy, right? Yeah. So we're getting slammed with like over sexualized women, and then in our personal relationships, trying to approach women in a moralistic way, and you know, trying to fit all these pegs, man, you know, gets kind of crazy. What was I saying with that? Oh healing the problem you know you got to talk about the problem to heal the problem a lot of the times and you got to acknowledge that it is a problem that's the other thing that i think uh sometimes i feel like the the church environment that that scenario allows you to like dodge questions sometimes you know like not acknowledge it yeah because i'm not going to expect you to think that and you're not going to expect me to think that so we're not even going to talk about it we're just going to talk about baseball or something you know something <laughs> <laughs> like what? Yeah, I think, and that was the thing, um, I felt like I couldn't bring any of this up. I couldn't bring up any of my doubts or my insecurities or be like, guys, uh, I know I'm the leader of this this small group, but like, I don't know if I believe any of the half of the things I, I say I believe or I'm supposed to believe anymore. There's a, there's a culture of sort of, I think my wife and I were talking about this today. Um, it's just, it kind of turns into a club where you have to all believe the same thing or pretend you do don't ruffle any feathers don't bring up any of these hard questions just play along and that's not how people function that's not how people work and now maybe I could have brought those these questions up I feel like I could have um, and I probably should have I, I ended up just like leaving like sometimes I wonder if everybody in that group is probably has the exact same I feeling. really do I really you know? think like I wouldn't be surprised if they're like nobody actually pastors uh-huh. pastors who are like closet atheists you know what I mean or close to it well I mean you hear stories about it all the time yeah. with like science Mike from the liturgist he was a pastor and then he started thinking like I don't think any yeah. of this is he was real an atheist for like you know two years or something while yeah. he was still in his Baptist church right um Shout out to the liturgists, by the way, because yeah, that was, that was yeah. a big help for me at that time. Oh, yeah, and that's, that's actually, all that I think that's one of the things that we connected on pretty early yeah. is that I've I've listened to the liturgist, um, and you know, I, I haven't hit any points with, I mean, a lot of people that know me know that I'm just like generally a discontented person, you know, like almost <laughs> yeah. with everything, it's like, but you know, I've never had any huge rebellion against the church. Uh, in anything other than the fact that sometimes it it allows it's just another coping mechanism. Whenever I really think people need to be pushed to that next question, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like what do you do? What do you do? It doesn't even matter what you believe, what you think you believe, because you don't believe what you think you believe, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Like as I get older, yeah. I realize that's more and more true. Whenever I was fifteen, what I thought I believed, I didn't even believe. Yeah, I didn't you even... can see that now. It's like, oh, I, I was. I didn't even believe the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I was getting out on the wrestling mat and I didn't believe that I was going to win. It was like a joke. Like me pretending like, you know, like I'm going to win this. I'm gonna, it was like I'd get out there and I'd be like, I don't know if I'm going to win this or not, you know. Um, but at the time I was telling everybody, yeah, I believe. I believe it. Yeah, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. You know, yeah. it's kind of an interesting thing to look back and, you know, kind of you almost question your own motives, which is like one of the questions. So actually, I'll hit this question first. So in your um, in your blog you have couldn't hear his voice anymore, like you yeah. you realized you couldn't hear. So my question was going to be, what was hearing his voice? Like what? So you had a contrast there, right? You had a one way, and then you had the next way. So what was the hearing the voice? What was that stage, or like what what was going on there? 
when I could hear his voice. When yeah, I felt yeah, like yeah. I, man, I think it was. That's weird. It's one of those things where I go back now and I'm like, I know I never heard anything, but like, what was it that did bring me comfort when I would pray? Um, maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I think it was maybe me telling myself what I wanted to hear in a way. Like I would pray about something and eventually I would have, I would have to make a decision. Like, you know, I don't know. I'd pray about a job or pray about school. Maybe like when I, when I was a Christian, like, you know, should I go this route or take this class or like, and eventually I would just get to a point where I had to make a decision. And then that would be like, God was answering me or I would eventually start to feel some peace about something. And I was like, I interpreted that as hearing God's voice. And then I got to a point where it was like, oh, I think that's just me, like, either finally feeling at peace or making a decision, and it's not really like I'm hearing anything. Or I would read the Bible and think, oh, this is this is God telling me this. But then as I started to question the Bible and, like, wait, is this really, like, all completely true and all 100% God's actual written thoughts mm-hmm. um that became less and less a source of his voice and it was more like i think i'm just i'm wait you know nothing sounds like god anymore now it's just like oh i can i'm kind of free to do whatever i want and i i should make like a good wise decision or if i feel peace about something it's just because maybe i'm in a sense like not worrying about it anymore. Or it was like a, it's like a, a get your ass in gear voice. Yeah. Like everybody has that in your head where it's like uh, time to start working, time to stop, you know, like like let's get this going. Like let's mm-hmm. do this. And uh, I think it is – I kind of was wondering like as you were saying that, I was thinking like how interesting is it if everybody has – like instead of the way we grow up in Western you know, civilization or society is thinking we have one self – we have yeah. this one self. But what if in reality you have like 10 selves and maybe religion was coming in to identify the different like strata of personality that you have? Like, hey, you have this child. Hey, you have this, you know, poor woman at the well. You know, you have mm-hmm. this like Roman soldier. Like you have all these different personalities in you and you almost have to... uh you almost have to like uh, synthesize them, you know, like do put them through like a filter or something. And maybe that's what, so like you have a God voice in your head the same way I have a God voice in my head, you know, okay. the same way. And that's part of the hardware almost, you know, so like, because um, as you were saying that, because I, I don't know, I, I've had some friends who say that they've had like some audible experiences of having like God speak to them and having like these different experiences, but I've never really had that. I've had like feelings yeah. You know, and like I, I, uh, one of the things that I think if like there, um, were like a finger pointing towards God is like the little like bump you get after doing something nice for somebody. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you genuinely did something like sweet for another individual and like how it, it you have that like almost euphoric wave that just like, like rolls over you. Yeah. It's like almost as like a, you know, when you're training a dog. You anytime you like click the clicker, you give yeah. them like a, some food. You know, right. it's like wow, that's weird because it's almost like God's like clicking the clicker, <laughs> and then he's like 
giving me a treat, you yeah, know, like, yeah, okay, yeah. reward, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of like you're almost rewarded for like being, being nice, which is, you know, kind of, it's almost in the hardware, mm-hmm. you know? It's almost like when you really break it down, um, being nice to somebody is really the only point that you can derive from life, you know, because that's what makes you feel the best. And what leads to like love and like different things like down the road, you know? So it is kind of interesting. Like I, I, I always, one of the things that I know has happened with me is that I've deconstructed what the narrative that was given to me as a child. And I've acknowledged that there's giants playing you know, there there are giants at force. Like so even intellectual giants. Like it'd be like me looking at physics and saying, Oh, I understand physics. You know, like me like looking at Christianity and saying, Oh, I understand this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like it's like being a little baby amongst giants. You know, it's like a it's a tough issue, you know? Um when you really get to arguing like the religion. I guess that's probably with any religion, you know, or any like institution, you know, physics sure. or something, you know. I mean yeah, and it's yeah, even in science, like, there are still different viewpoints on everything. I mean, there's um, different viewpoints on how the universe came to be and how life has evolved. And, you know, we, we have the two main concepts concepts of uh, sort of everything or the quantum aspect, which is like all the quantum tiny, super tiny particles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's um, relativity, right? which is larger, larger yeah, the larger size and yeah. we can't like make the two they both make sense on their own but they don't work together yet yeah like supersymmetry and all that shit yeah it's like and so we still can't figure that out and then there's still different thoughts of like you know like string theory which is what some people think is like the absolute reality of the quantum world but then there are other um, and again you can tell I'm like no expert on this but yeah. I love all that um, but there's still no um, hard, like, symmetry of all these viewpoints, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, which, which just goes to show, like, we're just creatures. We're, you know, we're essentially animals with higher functioning brains. And we're coming into this knowledge of how all this stuff works. And we're trying to make sense of it. I think I, I heard a quote. Uh, we are electrons contemplating other electrons mm-hmm. which is like kind of you know homo sapiens are the first time that's ever really happened of us com- contemplating how this all works like how we're even aware of all this um, and I think that's what started to get to me it's like religion is most a lot of religion was saying this is how this works this is how life works this is truth this is reality this is what you have to believe and for me it was like but you can't say that there's still so much we don't know like there's still so much we're trying to figure out how can you say that you figured it out in just a few thousand years you know um and i that's what drew me more to science not as like a like a substitute for religion but just like as a worldview it's like science is open to being wrong and to having to reinterpret things and rewrite things and it seemed like religion was this like no this is it like we have this book and you have to believe the book even though it was written thousands of years ago you have to believe the book because they had the answers and that's it Mm -hmm. and i was like no like i need to know that 
we can find something else or find something new. Um, that started to make more sense to me. And see, so it's always kind of funny because like science doesn't change reality. It just like sees it for for what it really is. You yeah, know? it's trying to see it and like test it and try to understand it. See, and like, so that's what's interesting is like there's like a lens, right? So this is kind of how I think of it is like with science, you have these different lenses, right? So if I was going to look at this uh, little tree, I could go in and different and measure it. And so like there's all these different ways that essentially I can see it, even mm-hmm. if even if some of them are like conceptual, you know? Yeah. Um, damn, I might have forgotten where I was going with that. Oh, lens. So like religion then would would not necessarily be finding out truth so much as a lens on which reflects the reality. You know what I'm saying? So almost like... Uh, like um, that's what I've always wondered is these like prophets. That's the mm-hmm. most most interesting portion of the Bible that I don't understand anything about. Like my my modern like my the the current church system that I see doesn't really leave any room for like pro- prophetic schools of like probably weirdos being really weird. Yeah. Like I imagine like Ezekiel. He probably had like a school after him, and I imagine everybody in that group was like, "Don't Weirdos. leave, don't leave your wife alone <laughs> yeah, around seriously. these guys." You know, like they're. I mean, not them. to say they're terrible people, but mm-hmm. they're gonna be weird, dude. That's like a, you get like a mute math or not mute math, uh, like a what is that called? Math rock. Math rock. <laughs> you get a group. You get like like so let's say six of those bands together, right? That's a room of some unique individuals, yeah. right? You know, you, you got to be careful because certain things attract certain types of people. And Ezekiel's prophetic school probably attracted some like crazy people, you know? Strange. But we don't have that in our in our modern day society where yeah. it's like you, you really are encouraged to get as weird as possible, you know? I mean, I think that exists. I think, I think... Do you think it's institutionalized though? Institute, I mean... Because that's that's what's cool is like harnessing the weirdness. Like that's what a prophetic school was. It was like and like a lot of the shamans, I've heard that the shamans like there's no not necessarily a concept of mental illness in hunter gatherer tribes. Mm. Because if somebody's a weirdo, they give them to the shamans. Yeah. You give them to the weirdos. Like there are people who see spirits, right? There's just they're like they're downtown. There are a couple of people that walk around and they're seeing spirits, right? Yeah, if something. you give that person to somebody who, instead of saying, "Look, you don't fit into society," they say, "Ooh, welcome." Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> welcome, you know? Yeah, prophesy over me. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so like I always, um, I think what's interesting about that is like there were some, like at least in the Bible, there are some weird prophets who did some weird things. Um, I, at least for me, the bigger thing about prophets is that they would, they would call out injustice, which I think is, at least for me, that's that's what a true prophet does, is like call out injustice that they see generally from like the ruling class, the rich people, mm-hmm. um, against the poor, the working class, which we still have those, like we still have those prophets. Um, that's still an important like type of person. You know, I think we were talking about narratives or stories earlier. Um, that's still a thing that, that needs to exist. And they always do stand out um, in some way. But usually, like, 
brave people who well they end up they up. end up in like punk shows or yeah like, they end up uh you know in the back seat of a hip-hop car or something like that you know like a like a kendrick lamar you got a guy like that who comes out where you wouldn't say the greatest writer of our time you wouldn't say oh he probably comes up from compton going up through public school you know but then the greatest rapper of our time comes up through compton mm-hmm. has all these you know cards kind of stacked against him uh, of being like a high level intellectual and then what does he end up doing he ends up putting out this work that's like high level intellectual work you know so it almost comes like from where you least expect it and that's like almost if you expect it then you kill it you know like you you stop the the seed of uh revolution maybe i don't know maybe it's like revolutionary thing yeah i would say most revolutions were started by people who had enough wanted to call out injustice and change change mm-hmm. things and it's that thing so, of like you know go, when go on, sorry. yeah uh, changing things and not like expecting your prayers just to do it so. so like when you say injustice what is the scale in which you are holding something up against like at, as um so like where what would the so like people could say it's immoral and like refer to a scripture and say see Oh, okay, this yeah. is what we this all is agree. This yeah. is what we all agree is we we is a good thing, and um, this is the scripture that says this. Mm, yeah. So we shouldn't rape people or something yeah, like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So what's mine is like mm-hmm. not having that. I, I think it comes down to, and again, this is like this comes from the Bible, but it also comes from other places. Like it comes from other religious scriptures, but it's like. Treat others as you want, you would want to be treated, or love your neighbor as yourself. Um, be kind to one another. Like it seems, it seems as if if people are all good to each other and love one another, everyone benefits from that. That's better for the flourishing of life upon the earth. Whereas if you have some amount of power over someone else and then you use that power to denigrate that person or step on that person, it only benefits one party, the one with the power. It doesn't benefit the other ones. And usually power is concentrated, so there, there are less people with power. So the majority of people get stepped on and then only a few reap the benefits. That doesn't seem like a recipe for successful life or for the flourishing of life maybe a few but then what happens is like people want to use that power for to step on others and that that's not really truly love right well and it seems like love is is the it's so cliche but it seems like love really is the answer mm -hmm. if we're kind to one another so that's kind of my metric it's like that seems to be the best recipe for a good life for everyone which seems like that should be our goal like everyone's goal like everyone to have equally a good life and to not suffer um that's kind of my belief like i don't have a way to prove that but it seems correct so that's kind of where like i get that morality of like injustice is someone lording power over someone else so, like, what one of the things that popped in my head while you were talking is, um, you know, Dan Carlin. Uh, uh-huh. Recently, I was listening to one of his, and he was talking about maybe it wasn't even him. I think it was him. I'm pretty sure it was him. But 
you know, one of the things that Dan Carlin was saying is if they hadn't have been Nazis, they probably would have won the war. Because because they were Nazis, all the Jews flit, like fled. So all the high-level intellectual physicists hmm. fled to the United States. So like Albert Einstein like was, I think he was in Sweden maybe or somewhere like that. But as soon as the Third Reich came up and it's like, hey, it's bad news being a Jew up in yeah. this area <laughs> of the world. He came to America yeah. and he was vital in making the A-bomb, which ended the war. And won it for the United States. So if if Hitler hadn't have been a Nazi, if he hadn't have been against Jews, he would have ended up with the bomb. He would have won the war. But since he isolated and neglected a portion of his population, he lost the talent, you know? And that's what I was thinking when you were saying that, because you were saying it is good for one. Like it's good for the guy with the boot, putting the boot on somebody else's neck. But the problem is both both of those two people... Like, he's suffering in his own way. Suffering maybe from a form of mental illness. Mm -hmm. Suffering, like, because because typically a person with a caring open heart cannot stomp on somebody's neck. Like, it's difficult for you to do do something like that, you know? So, uh, it's kind of one of those things, like, that guy, both of them would benefit by the guy not putting the boot on the neck. One, the guy wouldn't have a boot on his neck. And two, the guy wouldn't have to put the boot on the neck. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like one of those things. Like I, I try to imagine, try to imagine like separating from your faith. But when you're born in Germany and you're just coming up through the ranks of, and now you're at a concentration camp and you're a guard at a concentration camp, you know, and you're like, this is pretty jacked up. I can't do this. You know, then you're looking around and it says, okay, me not doing this means I get shot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know, man, that'd be a, like a tough situation for both people. I'd rather yeah. neither of them be put in that position, you know. Um, I don't know. That was a little bit of a, of a digression rant. Um, no, yeah, that's another thing, too. It's like. See, now that I'm in my position, um, I don't believe that there's like. A purpose for anything i'm in some in mm. some ways i'm a nihilist because i like i don't believe anything has a reason i don't think anything happens with a greater purpose things just happen but like we are where we are today because everything prior has happened and it's like is evil necessary like was it what all those terrible things was nazism necessary um slavery like to get us to where we are now where we're more enlightened or like why did any of that happen like you know suffering and what is it and you know it's almost like why should I care right like if I'm just living my life and nothing really is affecting me like why not just keep living it oblivious but it seems um like, that's a choice I can make. Not because I... I'm kind of rambling right now, but, like, the choice to care, the choice to actively try to be aware of suffering and to hopefully try and mitigate it, um, that's a choice I can make for myself. Um, and even though there's nothing that's really, in a sense, telling me to do that or that I have to or that I'll be punished if I don't do good to people... 
I guess that seems better. That seems like that's more within my control to like create that reality of like where I can do good and try to get rid of suffering eventually. Hmm. And that's where we should all go towards. And that's like a way of control in a way. Mm. Did anyone I said just make sense? No, it definitely I'm makes sense, man. Talking, it seemed like I'm kind that's... of talking through my thoughts. Right yeah, now. it's it's a it's a complicated it's a complicated issue, man. It's a it's a difficult thing because like there there's always this thing, which you know I've heard it argued against um, atheists is like, and this is one of the things that I really believe is that it doesn't matter what you believe, hmm. it, or it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you think you believe. It's only what you actually believe. So I guess it does matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you think or what you say you think. Because the way you believe is how you actually interact in the world. It's how you actually act. It's, physically yeah, something. so it's an yeah. actual thing. It's mm-hmm. like a, that's something you can judge somebody off of. You can judge them off of their actions, not yeah. by what they say they believe. You know, Because, I mean, how cliche is it the preacher's having an affair and ends up... A big scandal mm-hmm. you know because it doesn't actually matter what he says he believes it matters what he actually believes because that's what's going to govern the way that he actually acts mm-hmm. you know and so he, really he's it's sad for those guys because they're having the um i i shouldn't say it's sad for them like i have any pity on on them you know because it's kind of like one no, of those yeah. things where it's like uh, but it's almost sad, like that they're pushed into a position where they're having to act like they're like hide portions of themselves and stuff like that. That's hell to me, yeah, dude. Totally. Having to hide who you are or who you think or what you think or what you want to do or what you want to be. I mean, I've never heard of somebody who's like having an affair and they're like, "Hey, this is the greatest thing ever," <laughs> you know? Like typically, they're like, "Oh, this is yeah," you know, something's hell dying inside yeah. of them all of the time, you know. Um, which I don't know what got. What was that? Do, I don't know. <laughs> dying inside. I can't remember. Um, damn that. You said you rambled, and then I maybe started rambling, and it just went. It went off the rails. But um, so your science over over religion. Oh, and I did want to make this point. Oh, okay. Sorry. It probably sounds like I'm saying science is better than religion. Ooh. Like they can't code. I'm not a science. Ah. I'm not a. I'm not a binary type of person yeah. necessarily, where it's like science or religion. Like there, you can be a Christian scientist or a Buddhist scientist or whatever. Do you like, think you there's can, a next level of existence? Do you think like there's a next ne- like another dimension of existence? Oh God, I don't know. I mean, I. I don't know. Like I, I can't even comprehend what that would be. Is the thing. Like, See, like because some of the times I think of this with like with like fungus you know like the largest living organism mm. on the planet's like this fungus right right and like you look at it and it's like can could we even comprehend or define what it means by thinking right yeah so like what if we're all and i mean this gets like a little bit like what if, you know but it's like what if we're just like simply like right now our level of existence is just the nodes in another thing's existence yeah. you know what i'm saying exactly it's like if the most basic form of consciousness is is like a thermostat like reacting you know it's just literally reacting the temperature mm. and if it gets hot the mercury rises like if that's the most base level of like reactionary existence mm-hmm. and then at this point it's like 
humanity, you know, with all the things we can do with our brain and all the things we can think and come up with and create and envision, like that span is pretty big. So imagine if you just took that same thing and scaled it from us to whatever that next thing is. Exactly, yeah. What is that? Whoa, yeah. So, I mean... I don't know. See, so that's like kind of so my... that theory, possibly that, that could be... See, it's almost like uh, sometimes I feel like it's rough because people are throwing the baby out with the bathwater because it's like the current church system is boring. I don't ask mm-hmm. quite... It, it's not everybody... Well, I mean, not for everybody. You know, there's definitely things, but, but as far as... Um, are people running into the churches or running away from the churches? I think it's pretty... I don't know. Maybe the the stats have shifted, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty overwhelmingly people are running away yeah, from I the think church, it's you know? Certain branches, like certain denominations, I think like sort of white evangelical churches are losing people, I think. Um, if, I, if I'm remembering my stats correctly, um, I think like black churches are, are maintaining people um and then i can't remember like the mainstream i think the mainstream denominations like um, episcopalians and the the other one methodist Baptist? Yeah, methodist um they're like i think they're losing people too mm-hmm. but the thing is if it's if church is just going to be a building where you go every sunday and like see people generally exactly like you and gather for you know a one hour, forty five minute sermon, um, and sing some songs. Like, yeah, that is boring. It's kind of like, what's the point of this? Well, and to me, you know, <laughs> to me, it, to me, it seems like if you truly believe um, in what you believe, you would say, well, let me get the smartest dude in the room, and let me see if he knows anything <laughs> that either confirms or, or you know. I want to, it's almost like, uh, I don't understand why there's not this drive to like understand it more deeply, you know, like mm-hmm. say like, say like, okay, if there is a God, is he scientifically detect- detectable? Like, like, okay, like, let's say, like, let's say that there's this supernatural being, right? This supernatural existence mm-hmm. and it's able to make a conscious decision on multiple levels. So it can make it on this highest level dimension or it can go down to a cell and it can change the cell's decision, right? It's it's yeah. the it's the code writer, right? He can, right. <laughs> he can, so now let's say he's changing code on our level, right? He's he's interacting in in the thing we call reality. Is there a way of measuring that something's changing in an, in an unforeseen way, right? Because like that's what I always think of is like uh like for instance uh, if I just throw this pen across the room, when did I make the decision to throw the pen? Was it 10 years ago that, you know, was it starting a podcast? Was it, you know, you can go like through <laughs> yeah, all these things. Right. But in reality, in practicality, I threw the pen, right? Because yeah. of general base reality. Now, if God comes in and right before I throw the pen, he stops the pen from moving, right? Mm-hmm. That's a change in base reality. Uh, and so like, maybe you could measure that shit. Maybe like there's a way scientifically to measure the cells in your body to see if they have a fundamental shift in their in what they're gonna do, you know, yeah. like it's a it's an intervene, it's an intervening act that was change, you know. So like if a ball's falling in gravity, 
we expect it to continue to fall unless a force acts upon it, right? Right. So the force acting upon it is what we measure as gravity. What if we can measure like God gravity or, you know, yeah, like the God, like the God force. hand or like yeah. the God force or uh-huh. something like that. So if, if you tell me, if somebody says, hey, there were miracles in the Bible, they happen to where God comes into the world and he changes something once you ask him to do that. I would say, okay, if you 100% believe that, then reality will reflect that. So no matter what lens you look at it through, it's going to reflect reality, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at it through uh, the science or religion or any of these different, you know, it's going to look right. It's going to look the same, you know? So if you look at it from one direction, it looks different, then there's a problem with your image. Maybe you're not focused right or some shit. So... Like that, that's kind of the thing that frustrates me. And like whenever you were saying about advancing the dialogue, basically, you want to change the script that we are. So when we sit in a circle, instead of me saying, uh, I can't get my life together, I can't keep my girlfriend happy. Instead of us saying, well, let's get together and let's pray about that. Let's get, instead, let's have the conversation of why are you such an asshole? You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Like, what are you doing? You're drinking a 12-pack a night? You know, and playing video games for three hours yeah. or something like that. You know what right. I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. Uh, and there, I know a lot of people who drink a 12-pack a night, and they function super yeah. high level. So it's, it's nothing against, like, beer drinkers per sure. se. But you know what I'm saying? Like, eh, that's one of the things I like about running. I've said on the podcast is it's like a, it's like a scale to hold yourself up against, hmm. you know? Like it's a it's a level that I can't want the change. It the change I have to like do the change. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not gonna get faster by wanting to be faster. Yeah. I'm only gonna get faster by trying to run faster. You right. know? So it's kind of an interesting like I like those type of activities because there is a there it's is actually a, an actual thing you can measure exactly like scale to hold yourself up against exactly and 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 that happens in your life whenever you say. I decide I want to be more successful. I want to try to do something new. I want to try, I want to push myself. You push yourself and then you're more successful mm-hmm. because you're pushing yourself. So it's kind of one of those things like if you're praying and you're saying, hey, I want to be a better person, I want to be nicer to the people around me. And you're praying it and you're thinking about it and you're meditating it, then probably your force is going to change. Like your your output, your energy output is going to change. You're going to start getting something different back, you know, possibly. I don't know. Is that making any sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I rambling? No, no, I don't think so. Okay, it's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I uh, it was interesting. I mean, one of the things I like about podcasts is you can kind of tell what a person is thinking based off of what they choose to listen to regularly. Mm-hmm. So, like, whenever you said you listen to the liturgist, I've met a lot of different people that listen to the liturgist, and it's almost like this like weird state of like not wanting to let go of Christianity, like wanting to still hang on, wanting to like maybe salvage the the beautiful, these like deep yeah. um, relationship nourishing aspects um, while leaving behind these the, the hollow rhetoric, maybe we could call it, you know? Yeah, that's a great term, hollow so, rhetoric. Hollow rhetoric. And, um, but you know, that's the cool thing about church is, and like you were saying, you... There's no other spot in society to where you can find a group of people who are choosing to show up at a place and give money to be better people. Like whether the institution is delivering on that or not, the act that's, is that's still beautiful. Yeah. The practice is still beautiful. You know, like getting together as a community and all these things. Like, so that's one of the things I wonder is like, 
maybe we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, maybe it like I actually don't understand why an atheist wouldn't go to church. <laughs> you know, yeah. like my per, like my the way I view church, the what what I would what I would classify as like, or even what maybe Jesus would classify as church. I guarantee you, there was a slew of people up in hanging out with Jesus that said the the Jewish way of thought is ridiculous and stupid. I mean, <laughs> the the Jews killed them for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't because they were like, you know, cohesive in society. They were buttoned up against. There was like a punk band coming to town, <laughs> you know. And it's just it was like screwing everything. Yeah, up. it's just like you're screwing everything up, blah yeah. blah. And so I guarantee you that there was a lot of people who had a variety of beliefs. It wasn't a oh. homogeneous like. It wasn't like a like a everybody believed the same thing. Uh, I imagine that those first churches, and that's why we have all the letters from the apostles, is because the first churches were. Wild West style, dude. Yeah, they were just trying no, to figure it out. Yeah, everybody's just doing it. You're just hammering this thing out and you're going to do it, you know? And so I always I always wonder, like, it, to me, I feel like Christianity has done such a... You know how you were saying about the boot on the neck? You know, we were talking about the boot on the neck of the prisoner. Um, I think Christianity has lost such a vital resource by making it not okay to be an atheist and show up, mm-hmm. you know? Because when you have those atheists showing up, that's what really strengthens, you know, it, it strengthens them and you, it strengthens... You need people to ask questions and then that's going to get you thinking about the things you're saying. And I think so much of um, so much of church, so much of Christians, like especially in this area, so much of belief is kind of just inherited. It's like people just inherit their parents' faith or their peers' faith. And they just keep going, and it's like the things they say they believe are just because that's what everyone else says. That's what they've heard. It's the it's the lessons they've been taught. And everyone's busy. Everyone's you know, in this day and age, everyone's working or multitasking or working multiple jobs. So it's like a lot of um, maybe there's not as much deep thought going into these big issues of belief. Because everyone's busy, like, working, just trying to make a living. And then you, like, you go to church to kind of, like, you know, chill out for a bit and maybe reset. And it's not really a place where you're going to, like, wrestle with really deep thoughts. It's just, like, a place to go to see your friends, people like you. Um, so it's it's not a place where you're going to, like, question everything, in a sense. But if, if churches were more welcome to that, to people who did have these questions or people who didn't have the same belief, um, am I get everyone like talking about this and asking more questions and like saying, hey, why why do we believe this way? Why is it this way and, and not this other way? You know? Well, um, and it, it's interesting because it's like, it, it makes it to where you can't believe what you believe just because you believe it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I, I can't say, well, I believe this because of this, because they're like, well, where does it say that in Scripture? It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it shows. Yeah, so, I don't know. This is what I've, like, experienced in my life. When I'm an asshole, people are mean to me <laughs> because I'm an asshole no one wants to deal with me, right? Yeah. So I know for a fact that one thing that I can do to, to advance my standing and advance my success in the world is not be a jerk, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, now we can agree on that without going to any scripture, without going, because we have this real world experience, right? Like the, that's one of the things that always bothers me is like the knock and the door will be open. 
you know, look and you will find. It's not hidden. It's not this big, crazy, cryptic thing that you have to like struggle with. And it's like, do you have a better life? What you would define as a better life being an asshole to everybody or being really nice to everybody? Oh, okay. Well, what, what happens if while you're being nice to everybody, somebody comes along and they slap you? Well, it's more beneficial for me to say that guy's an asshole and he's not nice to anybody and walk on and still be nice. So the next person that I see, I'm still nice to them, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a worldview that is beneficial throughout, you know? So there's all these things about Christianity that I feel like, that I feel like even if you're an atheist, you can say, oh, well, if you agree that you don't want to slap somebody and I agree that I don't want to slap somebody, well, then we can sit in a room together and we can talk about how to become a better person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And now if you say you believe that there's a God or I say I believe that there's like Vishnu or I believe in the uh, Abu Dhabi aliens, you know, from Zector 9 or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I'm just making that completely yeah, up. But yeah. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what you say you believe or what you say you think. Yeah, how um, are you going to treat that person literally sitting right next to you? It's just it's just your output. That's all that really matters is your fruit, you know, or whatever, you know. Yeah. So it is kind of interesting, man. I've always thought that, like, when somebody, when one of my friends says, "Well, I can't go to church because I'm an atheist," and to me, it's like, um, do you think that everybody that goes there isn't like people maybe <laughs> say that they yeah. believe, but like you were saying earlier, like how many people? I've always wondered that, you know, like sitting in a in a room. And I'm having a thought, and it's a dissension thought. It's a thought that's like basically not agreeing yeah. with the with. The, but yeah. I don't say anything, right? Yeah. So then I'm sitting there. I'm like looking around. I'm like, how many people in this circle are all having the same dissension thought, but just nobody's saying it because they don't want to offend the other people. Yeah. Whenever actually, it almost like unites you in the fact that you're not saying anything. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's why we all do it. Maybe that's like the struggle is like everybody's like, shit, he wants to say something. He's not saying it. I want to say something. I'm not saying it. So we're actually yeah, all repressed. Like, like yeah, nobody's repressed. We're, we have solace and we're all repressed together. But, yeah, but we can, don't really know. But can you thing. avoid that? You think like, do you think I sometimes I wonder if, you know, like the whole uh, hero's journey argument, mm-hmm. you know, like that you just have this thing where like no matter how you're born you're going to have this dogma. And then eventually throughout your life, you'll hit an age where you realize that it's somebody else's dogma and you have to establish your own dogma. Then you go on this like, you know, this journey, right? And then you go all these places and you think you're having all these adventures and then you settle back at the exact same place. You know, like (laughs) it's crazy because like the house I'm living right now, I live across the street from a church of Christ and I live across the street from the elementary school I went to. It's like, Dude, I'm literally sitting right back where I started. Yeah. Like I'm in the same vicinity as where I started, you yeah. know, but you had this large journey and I would say I'm a very different person. Then so like like that's I guess one of the things that I think is interesting cuz I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm uh, what would like I haven't deconstructed the institution necessarily. I've just reimagined the institution. I, and and then I'm making that's 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 having a two year old in the house. <laughs> Eventually, folks, 
I don't know. I think that the camera's still going, but eventually I'm going to have a studio and we're not going to have a little baby noises like that. But yeah, eventually okay, he's going to be a little exciting, older too. Yeah. It does. It kind of adds like a little bit of a flair, a little bit of yeah, like a... Yeah, a little bit of real world. Yeah, a little, little unedited grittiness. Yeah. Grittiness, yeah. It's a two-year-old in the background. Oh, dude. <laughs> and he's a maniac, man. I can't believe he's still awake. It's almost four o'clock. Dude, he takes a nap usually around 1130. He hasn't napped it all the day. He's pushing hard. He is pushing hard. Yeah, but they hit the, dude. That's the thing that's weird about little humans, man. Is they hit these growth spurts where they have no energy, and then they'll get out of a growth spurt, and then they all of a sudden have all this energy that they're not using to grow. You know, it's like Whoa. real crazy, dude. He has these like swings. It's like crazy to imagine. And I guess we maybe have similar swings Probably. being adults. It's just we cover them up, or like we can control the equilibrium a little bit better. He yeah. has no control, dude. He's either hundred percent happy. He's in the weeds. You know, like he's crying screaming and it's like oh you know what is this kid doing you know like come back over here please it's like ah little savage being but okay man so let's see where are we at we're at an hour and a half wow. um so it's it's actually flown by we've covered we've covered most of those questions um i was gonna ask you something about drums did you feel like you had uh like how long have you been playing uh about 18 years right 2018, yeah, I started when I, in 2000, when I was 12. Dang. So, yeah, almost 20 years, 18 yeah. years. Yeah, really and so has that been like, uh, were you instantly good at drums, or is it something like no, a labor of love? No, I, I had to work at it. I mean, yeah. I, I was that kid that always was always banging on things and like trying to play along with stuff, but I, it, I definitely had to practice and work at it. Um, when I got a drum set, so it was it. How much of it was intellectual versus like just muscle memory? Um, honestly, it's it's pretty. It's all intellectual at first. Like you have to really think about because the thing about drums is you're using all four of your limbs. So you, the natural state is like everything kind of goes together. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first part is like breaking everything up, where you can like, you know, do. Uh, like eighth notes with your right hand and then quarters, you know, with your, say, right foot and then just play the snare on two and four with your left hand mm-hmm. and then you're opening, you're using your left foot to open the hi-hat like on beat one. So, like, they're all doing these different things. So that's all takes, that's a big learning curve to get all that to function independently. Now, once you can do that, then it becomes muscle memory. Then it's just, like, the easiest thing in the world to, yeah. to do that. But then there's like more advanced things where you're trying to do weird beats like in different time signatures and you're having to think more. But as you do it, it becomes easy, mm-hmm. right? So, but it all starts out as like an intellectual exercise. But, you know, now... Is that part of what you liked about the drums? Um, like, did you like pushing yourself like... Yeah, I think so. I think I liked that challenge. Um, I like trying to work to get all my limbs to do something different um i'm really the the biggest thing is i just like playing them because they were so they're so physical like you're have big motions that Mm -hmm. all your limbs are doing um and they to me it's the most fun instrument yeah oh dude as far as playing like you know rock music whenever i'm at a live show (laughs) i always end up watching the drummer yeah like that's who that's just like Whenever, at almost every single band that I've ever seen, I mean, occasionally you'll get like a guitar player that's kind of doing something like compelling. Yeah. But there's not a whole lot of movement that like translates into noise. 
Whereas with a drummer, every movement is translating into noise. So mm-hmm. when you really see them all spidering out behind a kid or some shit, it really like almost brings you more into the music. Like you yeah. almost hear it more because you're seeing the music the, yeah, as you're well seeing, as you're seeing the visual kind of accompaniment. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, and it's so cool because it's like a, it's like a dance, like an intentional dance. You know, like when you see somebody like grooving. And it's like, uh, everybody wants to groove, but it's like, typically that's not conscious, but like a drummer is like a conscious groove, you know, like, so the way that they're moving, it, it's almost like, uh, relaxing to see that, you know, that sort of, uh, hmm, what would the, what would the term be? I don't know. It's just something about seeing a drummer in the groove when they're hitting their notes and they're, and you can tell that's what's super cool about a drummer is they're holding like the ground level, but they can still build build soundscapes within uh-huh. the ground, yeah. you know? So like they're doing one thing and building it, but then like a really good drummer will throw in these like added little bits of flair that are independent of the bass layer. Yeah. And, and it really actually like makes it all more full. It like uh, kind of commands the space a little bit better, like maybe frames the space is what sure. I'm saying, yeah. you know? But yeah, I've always like... And uh, the other thing is like all of the best musicians that I've ever known, they all gravitate towards the drums. That might not be their main instrument, but they're all like, dang, I gotta I gotta sit behind a kid. Like I've gotta <laughs> I've gotta understand this. Like I've gotta be yeah. able to do this. Like it's almost like a trick or like a, something that every great musician that I've known has in their repertoire. They can like sit down, they can like function adequately at a piano. And a drum kit. Those are like the two things. I think if you're going to teach a kid music, drum kit, piano. Yeah. Figure out the rest later. You know? <laughs> you know, you're going to have to figure it out anyway. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to ask yourself and kind of learn your style or whatever, you know. So how would you, would you say you have a particular drum style or would you say that you, uh, that you are like non-genre based? Like, do you, do you think? Yeah, I, I, so I grew up playing like worship music, which is essentially rock music. And and jazz, um, I guess jazz came a little bit later because I didn't really play jazz in in element not elementary like high school. But when I got to college, like I played in the WT jazz band, mm. so I got my jazz chops there. So it was sort of like that combination of you know essentially rock. What's and his name? Jazz. Stephen Stephen Ronk or uh, the bass player? Yeah, what's yeah, his name? Stephen Ronk. He's yeah. Um, I think he lives in Austin now. Okay, dude, yeah, that guy was dope, was dude. So good, man. Did you play with Jeff Coffin when he came? Uh, no, I didn't get to. Ah, oh, dang! Yeah. I saw that. That was awesome. Yeah. Was um, that and that was the WT Jazz Band mm-hmm. that played with him. Yeah, uh, that, that was, was pretty... uh, uh, Ben Hilton who played drums. Mm. He's, a, he's a really good drummer. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great drummer. Um, but yeah, like so, jazz and rock is really like my main influences. So I guess I had my own unique style from playing all that you know worship music and rock and jazz throughout the years so i don't i don't know what my style would be hopefully good yeah (laughs) you know oh yeah you're an amazing drummer (laughs) i mean that's the and and the fact that's one of the things i think that is so cool about you and like the little uh, dive i took into your social media is like it almost seems like you're you can play in any genre like, like I, it seems like you've sat behind several different types of bands, you yeah, know? Thankfully, I've been fortunate to play for a lot of different groups and a lot of different people. So, 
I always, I mean, the number one thing to do is listen. If you're any musician, um, but drums, I, I, I just, as a drummer, like I, that's what I try to do is listen and play appropriately for every style. Um, you know, and the, the thing you don't want to do is overplay. Just like, what's the bass level of what I need to do for this style? You know, this sound. And then you can kind of begin to throw in those little, like you were talking about, those little framing things, those little like peaks and valleys of just like, you know, little fills or little things. But like the bass line needs to be, you need to provide that groove uh, for everyone to rest on. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's what I always think is uh, is super cool about musicians. It seems like as they develop and as they grow, they go towards less, not necessarily more. You know, so like you see bands and they start like even I think like John Mayer, he goes from like a pure shredder to on like continuum where he's like you can tell he's like ex- exploring just like space and he's kind of trying to he he could rip. He could rip something, mm-hmm. but he chooses to hit only a few notes and let them ring for a while, and he, yeah. he almost gives it breathing room, you know? Uh, he, it's, it's always cool whenever I like, listen or I hear an, uh, an artist that's really like about that, you know? It's like, how can you... And, and what is it that you're trying to like get to? Like, what is the base of the music? It's, it's like, what's the most... Um, simple beat I can play without being like uh, so many drummers think they need to like play a fill like every at the end of every measure or something I'm like it's just like everyone should like start with just sit there you know what I mean like just a straight straight ahead like backbeat Snare on the two and four, kick on the one and three. Uh-huh. Like, that is the most simple, like, rock beat. And I feel that's kind of where almost you should start. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean by bass. It's like, what's the simplest thing I need to do for this style? No frills. Um, and yeah, I think the older I've gotten, the less I've tried to do. Because um, I realized my younger days, I would just so much and try to play so many things and I would like having a lot of little cymbals and splashes and lots of drums and I realized man I need like a snare kick two toms hats ride cymbal maybe a crash you know what mm-hmm. I mean um, and I even the music I listen to I like hearing drummers who just play more simply it's like transcending your ego mm-hmm. instead of having to show all the tricks you can do, don't do any of the tricks. Like that exactly, takes yeah. that almost takes more control because you have to like suppress the show off. You have to suppress the totally. the uh, I want everybody to look at yeah, me. Yeah, if you feel you need to show off and you and you want everyone to look at you, mm-hmm. that's a sign of immaturity. Right, exactly. Um, and it sounds it sounds like immaturity. It sounds like immaturity. The the more comfortable you are with yourself and the more maturity you have the more you realize, man, I just need to play what needs to be played. And if there's a moment for me to shine, if I have my time, like I, then I can show off my tricks or whatever, my, my things. And then it's right back to just providing what's needed. To the grind. To the grind. Yeah. And that, that's, that's also like a life philosophy too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just for drums, but it's like the more confident you are, the less you have to do. 
you know, unless right. you have to show off. Just, you know, do what you need to do. I heard uh, somebody they were talking about meditation. And I think they were talking about Ram Dass. I think it was Pete Holmes, possibly. But but what they were saying is, uh, oh, it was Pete Holmes with the Avid Brothers. He was oh, interviewing thanks. the Avid Brothers. And one of the things he said on it was, um, he said, when you're meditating and you're an artist, sometimes you have these ideas that pop up into your head. And people want to stop meditating to write down that idea. But part of meditating is letting that idea go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's Ramdas is what he was saying that that he was speaking on this, and he was like, "Oh, ye of little faith," like basically saying, "You think you don't have faith that you're going to have good ideas." So anytime mm-hmm. you have a good idea, it's you like, have to treat it like it's a a gold yeah. nugget instead of saying gold nuggets come at me all the time. Yeah. Like, no, I don't have to in this conversation so that I can jot something down right. and not a note you know yeah. it's like dude let let your time be dedicated to what your time is being dedicated to and allow the allow that brilliant idea to go allow that business idea to go and yeah. it allows you really to focus on some stuff you know like typically i don't feel like i focus enough that's one of my faults is it's like dude if i just focused more if i just like got in instead of chasing all these rabbits you know i just sit down and maybe like plant some carrots or something you know what i'm saying like get it to come to you instead of chasing it i often feel like i'm chasing um the thoughts but yeah it's like the ye of little faith type thing you know Mm -hmm. where it's like allow that idea to come to you sometimes you know you don't have to chase it yeah i don't know what i was saying about that where it even got me talking because we're talking about your drums dude you had that beautiful you had that beautiful part about uh, about like allowing the ego to kind of drop away mm-hmm. and then eventually it's like dude that's what really fulfilling that role is yeah but, man that's cool dude we're at uh an hour 39 we'll pull the plug cool we'll do it again sweet man we'll start doing you, i want it that's one of the, my goals with once i get an actual studio is i want to be able to have regulars where it's just like shit man what are you doing thursday afternoon nothing okay i'm not either let's get together we'll record a podcast let's just do it you know and and kind of start just start doing it more often man that's the thing is podcasting the same as anything is difficult unless you're doing it on a regular basis and being consistent with yeah which reminds me you have sort of started a podcast right yeah i have again it's that thing i have one interview I've done with one of my good friends, um, I recorded an interview with him several months ago, and that's the only thing I have recorded so far, but it's like I have, like I've created like a Facebook page profile, and like I have everything like set up, ready mm. to go, and I've... The boat, the boat is it. built. The boat's built. It, it just, just has to sail. just need to, you know, crack the bottle of champagne on the hull and yeah. set it off, but... Yeah, I mean, I've been wanting to do a podcast for probably about as long as I wanted to have a blog. So. Why was, why was uh, see, I was the same way. Almost as soon as I started hearing podcasts, I was like, I want a podcast. You know, like I instantly felt like drugged to it. But what yeah. what was it that you would say about it that like attracted you or like really like made it something you wanted to like pursue? Um, I think it's the idea of talking to other people it's this um it's a way to get your ideas out and to talk about what you want to talk about and cover what you want to cover 
Um, and it's, I mean, in this day and age, it's so easy to do. It's just like get a relatively cheap mic or you can use your phone or whatever, your computer. And you, you know, use a free software to record it into and do some quick editing and then you can throw it out there. And it's like that easy, but it's a way to, um, and then find other people who are interested in what you're interested in. Mm. So it's like, and I feel like most people probably want to talk and they want to get their ideas and their opinion out. So um, I think that was that was what interested me. So yeah, that was kind of my thing too. Is I was like, man, I would I was coming across people all the time, and I was saying to them. You should have a podcast. You should get, you should have a podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, you'd have, you'd have a great podcast. Oh, you should have a podcast. I was saying it to everybody and I was like, damn, if I'm around all these people that should have podcasts, then I probably should have a podcast. I have too. Yeah, yeah, like I mean it's like if if I'm already around them and it's like nobody's podcasting these people, like harvesting them, you know, sometimes yeah. I think of it like you sail your boat, right? But the podcast, the platform, the format, that's only the ship. You still have to bring something in from the ocean. Yeah, you know, exactly. you still have to you be some. productive somehow. Yeah. And and that's that's the that's what I think I like about podcasts and I also like loathe about it as well because <laughs> it's like you're 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 only catching the fish that you're throwing the net for, you know? Mm. So like it's kinda like one of those things if you're not catching big fish, it's probably because you're not throwing a big net, you know? It's kind of a weird weird way of saying that. But okay, so we'll end the we'll end the podcast uh first thing i would like is just do your plugs you got some stuff right yeah, throw yeah. out your plugs man um, okay mount um, ivy yeah so my band is mount ivy and we actually have a show next saturday the 18th um we're playing at golden light it's going to be a sort of a joint birthday um celebration with the golden light i think it's the 10-year anniversary is that right i think so um, I could be getting that wrong, but it's also uh, NDA 06, their 11-year uh, anniversary, so mm-hmm. they're kind of throwing something together. Um, so there, there'll be uh, several bands playing at the Golden Light Saturday night. Um, Mount Ivy's one of them. Nice. Um, that'll be good. We're recording an album. Um, this would be what, y'all's third album or second album? This would be the second LP. We've, we've had uh, two EPs. I think we've had two EPs. This would be the the second um, like long play record. Mm. Um, what else? Uh, I need to give a sh- whom I haven't even talked about. I feel really bad. My wife Angelina. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an amazing photographer. Short eared dog photography. She's on, on Instagram. All, on Instagram. Yep. Facebook. Facebook. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I need to give her a shout out. She's awesome. She's amazing. Um, what else? That's basically it. Uh, come see me at Palace Coffee. Check out your blog, right? Check out my blog through the uh, through your Instagram, right mm-hmm. there in your Instagram. You got the link. Yeah, I got to the it. link. John Rubin cares. Um, oh, that's Instagram. John Rubin cares. Yeah. Right. Nice. Uh, okay. And then, uh, do you have anything else? Any other ones you want to plug? Anything that's, else? That's it. That's, it. that's all I got. Uh, the The way I chose to start ending the show is by asking you two questions. Uh, one is what song would you like to have play out at the very end and the other question is how do you define success okay oh man i wish i had this i wish i would have had this song ready um yeah i sprung that on you so i tried to text my guests early and i don't know i, I think I, I should have known you were going to do that and should have had something ready um 
this is a so this is I'm gonna ask ask you to play um, my friend Broderick, who's the singer of Mount Ivy. He has a another project, a solo project called Vamping. Okay. Awesome. Um, you should play Alto Vista, which is the first track off of uh, his first release, um, which is called Desert Flowers, I think. Oh man, I should know that. Anyway, it's the first track off his his uh, his full length release, which is on. I think it's on all the streaming stuff, on okay, Spotify cool. and all that. Um, he's about to release a second album, um, and I, I I love it. It's not just because he's my friend, but like mm-hmm. it's a really good project. He I've heard a lot himself. of people say that his solo stuff is yeah. amazing. Like he he records it all himself, mixes it. Um, and he does like all the artwork and everything. Nice. And like lyrically, it's beautiful and amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask you to play that one. Cool. Yeah, definitely playing that. And then your second question was how do I define success? How do you define success? It can be as like, like for instance, one of the ways I define its success is like, so, and this is kind of a goofy thing. We're trying to potty train Emmett. So whenever we go outside, we just strip him down naked. That way, he can teach him to go pee on the fence or something like that yeah. just so he he understands like oh i control this thing right mm-hmm. yeah um and so it's kind of funny like i was thinking the other day he was peeing on the fence and i was like it's strange but this is how i define success you know like i got a little two-year-old baby you know i got a woman that i love and he's peeing on my fence you know it's like a beautiful thing yeah you know? so that's kind of how i define success so you can kind of to wow. give you an example okay um, at this point in my life, I think success would be how I would define it is I think it would be being content with yourself um being content with yourself and where you're at not and not like complacent where you're just this is the best it's going to be but like being happy with yourself um being happy with where you're at in life um and having goals that you're moving towards and achieving um hopefully which is that's that's not necessarily where i'm at right now but i think that would be success if i can get to a place where like almost you know, mentally and spiritually, like, I'm content with who I am, where I'm at in life, um, and I have goals I'm reaching towards and striving towards. I'm trying to be become better and better mm. than success. Yeah, That's like sit, sitting into the struggle, mm-hmm. like actually being like, all right, this is it. We're about to go. You yeah. know, you got a lot of work to do, but also I'm still here. That's kind of a cool, cool way of viewing it, man, so... Well, cool, man. Well, I, I greatly appreciate you coming by. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, and uh, so until next time, until uh, next you can time. say goodbye to the people if you want to. I Bye. need a, I need, I need a like a sign off. You know, Pete Holmes. Uh-huh. He has, he has keep it uh, crispy. Keep it, keep it crispy. Keep yeah. it crispy. He has a sign off, but maybe I'll work on that. I'll work on a that way. It's not like so. So much of just like a, how are we going to say bye? Yeah, like, you know? how are we going to do this? It's yeah. just like, okay, Maybe you have something, hey, here's what you got to say, you know, yeah. give uh, give people an out. So, but yeah, I'm always terrible. I, I don't even know what I usually say. So with that said, peace out.
Thank you again for tuning in to today's show. Uh, again, the sponsor is happyhourtexas.com. Be sure to go to them and place any orders uh, for some drinks, man. Get the get the crew together and get a bunch of get a bunch of drinks delivered to you. So again, follow them on Instagram at Happy Hour Texas. Um, check out their website. Uh, they open August 30th of this month. Um, also, be sure to check out Recreation, where they have the Rodeo Clown Burger. Uh, each dollar of that, the proceeds go to help uh, uh, Press On Foundation. You know, they're striving to, to help better understand and heal spinal cord injuries. So, uh, thank you again for supporting this podcast. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. And uh, I really love you people. I mean, the people who make it uh, to the end of an episode. I mean, uh, y'all are diamond are uh, diamond in the rough. What would that would be? Anyway, you know, I love you people. So thank y'all, and uh, until next time, peace out.